listening to The 10 Podcast, the discovery and design channel in health. Tune in with your host, Matt Patterson, to learn more about insights from the world of healthcare today. Hi there, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I'd like to tell you about a plan I have uh, to give a little dose of inspiration to my listeners. And what are we going to do in relation to this, if you're interested? is every day at 7 o'clock, I will email you, if you'd like to join in on the email list, with a dose of inspiration, something I've learned. It may be something about the research I do, about the work I do, the people I connect with, some of the background stuff about the podcast, or what we're learning in relation to the current affairs and some of the conversations, and the challenges and the take-homes of those things that we don't get to talk about on the podcast. The plan is to do that via a small audio file that will attach to the email you can listen to any time of the day. Each daily dose will be just two to three minutes in length. Without fail, in your inbox, seven o'clock in the morning, a little dose of inspiration on something that will be of interest to those that sign up. Of course, you can sort of unsubscribe at any time and it is free. That's really it. Now on with the main part of the show. Today, as this bonus podcast, I thought, as we've been doing this for five months now, uh, maybe it's a good idea for me to tell you a bit of my background as how I got here. A lot of people who listen into the show may well know me in some way, shape or form, but there are people from many countries all over the world who have listened in over the months. And so I thought, well, why don't we do a small piece where I tell you a bit about how I got here and where I have come from. I started out as a countryside boy from a village in the northwest. And post-university, I wanted to be a TV executive, a TV producer. I decided I had to get a backup career just in case. I know what, I will go and train as a physical a physiotherapist, a physical therapist in the States. Now, when I started, obviously, uh, it was a little bit more complicated than just going and turning up and getting kind of medical style training. And it was through this process that introduced me to both my creative side and the health tech, health tech and medical side piece. And that was my super skills that I didn't realize was going to come to the table as, as the, the, the main dominant thread of my life. Qualified uh, as a physiotherapist, worked in the UK, did a placement in Zimbabwe and worked in Australia a number of years and different kinds of things. And physios, you work in intensive, intensive care and respiratory care and neurology, people have strokes and Parkinson's and, and a whole range of neurological conditions. You do musculoskeletal work in relation to outpatients, the traditional stuff you might think sports physios do, and a whole other range of things. Eventually, I migrated towards working in the community, in different community settings across London, uh, where you're kind of trying to solve societal problems and, and on an individual basis in terms of rehabilitation as much as you're solving just purely the physical. And I think this is because I realized that actually I was underneath this, I was a sort of service designer dressed up as a clinician. I'd spent my whole time sort of more, I guess, questioning what if and why, rather than just accepting. I was always like saying, well, why is this system? Why is that broken? Why is it not working this way? Why don't we redesign this? And in my everyday life, uh, I lived in London and worked a lot in Camden, Islington, and my patch was in Islington. And, uh, and I had a scooter, like a Vespa. 
and I used to go between patients' homes or across zipping back and forth south south, isn't it? And it bought me because I had a scooter, it bought me more time between patients sometimes. And so I'd grab a coffee, a nice coffee every now and then. Now it was an area where there were great bookshops around Hatton Gardens and found and and something seminal happened in relation to this. What happened was I bought a book. I was hanging out in Farringdon, bought a book, and was inspired by this book by IDEO called Masters of Innovation. And uncannily, literally at the end of the road, 50 metres away, was White Bear Yard, which is where one of IDEO's global studios is. And was like, wow, the service design proposition was kind of, this is what I want to do. This is kind of how I see the world. This is what I'm questioning every day. How do I do this? So in forward a bit, got in touch with the guys at IDEO. They were like, look, you've your background in psychology and your background in physical therapies, and you can do human factors. You could go and do a master's and then come in and work for a company like ours, which is what I did. I, uh, they helped me gain this focus, apply my direction, and then did my master's and sort of found this link in my life where all these things came together, psychology, human sciences, physical sciences, business models, design. It's kind of my utopian connection. And I just found that was where I was meant to be. Now, I ended up going to work in an agency and picked where I worked a lot because of my boss at the time she'd been ex-head of internal research at uh, intel and had worked with some brilliant design researchers and experienced designers who i didn't know what that was really at the time we came together and, and i got exposed to huge amounts of work where we were looking at the desirable the feasible and the viable in terms of how you deliver products and services for, for people all over the world took me to design medical products food packaging and automotive car interiors and, and digital devices and projects of companies all over the world. So I was working as a human-centered designer and uh, the essence of that is trying to walk in the shoes and understand the everyday lives and needs of the, the individuals who would live with these products. And so it involved a huge amount of fieldwork, much of it overseas, where I'd be traveling around the world with teams to understand life. At that time, um, also, my mother was unfortunately very ill. And in essence, a lot of that took me away at the time that I couldn't have back now when my mother was getting very sick and, a year, and within a year would die. There was a strange, strange period in my life where I was working, working, working because I was trying to catch up in this career, having already done a career before uh, and trying to work my way through this. And I sort of threw, like, I threw myself totally into that working period, probably at the detriment of other factors. I left my very super fascinating job, primarily financially, because it wasn't amazingly well paid, walked out the door, walked back in the door and double my, double my salary and take home pay, literally overnight by becoming a freelancer and coming back in to run some of their medical projects. So effectively, it enabled me to get my first step on the ladder as a kind of freelancer and setting up my own company and, and never look back from them. For a number of years after that, I worked on some well-paid, very long, very deep projects for the likes of Nokia. Uh, back then, do you remember those guys? They used to have two billion handsets and they came into the time when I was sort of standing on the, the Nokia beach when the iPhone tsunami hit that company mm. and it arrived and they were planning to compete. That saw really interesting things about how business models work and how some companies are successful and some are guaranteed to be unsuccessful based on other factors of which the iPhone and the open app store brought many when they were trying to bring them, build their own uh, version to compete. Uh, and never were going to be successful in that. This, again, 
built capability and understanding services and systems and products and, and all those things. We were also working with the design council at the time to look at dignity in hospitals and into the kind of anthropological experiences of the journeys of hospitals and, and working on pharmaceutical products and designing medical devices and all of those things too. Again, building this kind of war chest to be able to build my own agency, which I then did in a partnership uh, soon after where we were naive, right? We didn't know what to expect. It was 2008, nine. It was 2009. It was at the start of a financial crash when theoretically things should have been very difficult to do that. And we just built an agency, which worked. We built an agency that brought in clients like Coca-Cola and Cola Bathrooms and Hallmark and Channel 4 and Johnson & Johnson. All of these big global companies working with us to kind of find observationally find the direction for their customer experiences and we were fairly early on in that customer experience world um, and again had the real fortune to work with brilliant designers brilliant visualizers brilliant digital designers brilliant researchers to come through as part of our team and then to go on off and we found we were like a springboard to these guys now where we have senior design roles in philips and in, in amazon and 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 such so like uh, and so, again, this has been all building up the capability of the connection within the broader design community. If I reflect back then, when we were running that business, we were working with the kind of guys, if you will, I'll say very allegedly here, Coca-Cola allegedly may give you diabetes or be a factor in poor blood sugar. Then we were working with Nova Nordis, the companies who are insulin-based companies who are managing diabetes with insulin. And then we were also working with Smith & Nephew, who manage diabetic foot ulcers for those people who have poorly managed diabetes at the end of their life. And the side effects you get from diabetes can lead to diabetic foot ulcers and amputations and how you heal those wounds. So kind of 360 degrees, if you will, but it didn't sit very well with me in relation to this brand proposition remember i've come whilst i've worked in all these different sectors and areas i've come back i've come out of this this world of healthcare and so it was you know it was uh, challenging but i go on to learn a huge amount from the things i got from fmcg and from other sectors but i wanted to focus this purely on health and health tech and innovation in that field so with that and for many factors, we decided was to break up. We we won a bit in the casino financially there, so we were good, and we went our own separate ways. Myself and my business partner, and and I put set up anatomy. Anatomy was the same thing, but just purely focused on health and health tech. And the underpinning part of that company still runs through where we are today. And and that it took us deeper into the world of working in different parts around the world in Asia and in America and understanding the complex healthcare systems as we got more complicated questions and more business focused questions around what should we do to build a pipeline of products moving forward that fit into the local culture in Asia, for example. And how do we do that? And what should we do in relation to cracking the US healthcare market? And what shouldn't we do in relation to how we work in the national health service? At the same time, I was working super hard and then, and in many ways looking for a kind of a, a different way ahead not just consulting not just this staying we get involved we strategize we help people see we help people learn we're like an optician in terms of putting the lenses and pumping people's eyes our clients eyes until they can see clarity about where they should go to sort of stand tall and to see further i mean the, the positives of consulting are that you get to work on great projects you get to work on things where the companies are already set up all over the globe so if things make it to market they'll make large global impact 
uh, and you can help clients and individual clients within their companies discover and see the world through new eyes and help them see the path ahead and choose the road ahead this is very satisfying in that sense but you've also got to understand you don't own this and that at times the products and the projects that you work on will not make it to market in fact very very often and you inspire and guide people but you don't have responsibility direction in relation to what will happen within the organization it's not yours even though it feels like it is the product and the service and you've got to let go and i find that hard at times i kind of wanted to test whether we could do the product thing and so alongside this consulting model we had we had a deal we had to go at a, a company called good care days like a care proposition a future of care hyper local care is brought together to challenge the health and social care marketplace in the uk wow we found that tough so a couple of us worked on that and just the process of working in the social care system and trying to build a product in the social care system we didn't we didn't succeed we we failed in terms of the market and succeeded in terms of knowledge i would say like many great startups and people who run startups you'll see different iterations of things that come and have worked well with them at certain times in their lives so we took out of that lots of knowledge of double-sided business markets right that's the, the main thing is that how we run those things and then the essence of some of that stuff from good care days and how we tried to build a proposition of looking after carers at certain prices and buyers at certain prices and how you can connect them and make them more efficient for moving some of the some of the inefficiencies and the lack of design sensitivity of how you get the right people to the right people in the right place at the right time a lot of that came through to the underpinning of what 10 would the 10 would would end up being bit of a break bit of coaching business business coaching always a great thing to do i mean it's always you always look back at it and think well what did i get from that period of coaching and i had a coach called julia at that time and she she really helped me gain clarity of where the trajectory for 10 could be and what it was i was trying to achieve in my life and my goals and my aims i've been churning through fee earning work for quite a long time millions and millions of pounds worth of fee earning work for myself and the teams of those around me and i kind of was a bit restricted in where i could see the world going and I thought coaching would help me there. And it really did. It helped me open my perspective and get some goals and get some strength and see what could be done. And 10 was born out of the back of that two or three years ago now. So that was really, really useful. And since 100 individual companies and independents and through the network as a kind of hive mind, either onto projects or into the system where they connect with one another, where they support each other, whether it's insight and strategy and knowledge between partners, whether it's office sharing, where they'll come together and meet and then end up sharing a studio. All these things have been brought together from this sort of 10 network of experts, people primarily who've got 15 to 20 years worth of design experience, cutting edge design experience behind them this kind of elite network which is what underpins 10 but i realized that in this whole process it, it's kind of like always been a bit of an ask matt thing right matt's list or ask matt and how, how would i connect it's always been a curated list a curated option a kind of perspective giving perspective i think is what i've always been called to do by companies and individuals and help them build the right products and build the right services but more importantly actually help them 
build the right person themselves to ex- do go further in their career. So if you're middle manager ending up being a director or super director, senior director, or if you're a VP who goes on to be an SVP, or, and all of that comes off all of the background elements. So part of it's a bit clinician, like coalface. So I know how healthcare systems work in hospital. I've been there. With COVID coming along, I, I, I've understood firsthand what it's like to be involved in insurance suctioning and working in intensive care and ensuring people's chests are cleared. And the very, it would have been, had I stayed in that environment, I'd have been the guy in the PPE working at the coalface. I understand what that means. And equally, I've done that negotiation with people with that knowledge in America. And I've done it and understand the healthcare system in America, the complexities of procurements and those things. And I've done it in Europe and I've done it in all, all over the world. I've been lucky to learn alongside so many talented people across so many different parts of the sector, working in healthcare, bringing creativity into healthcare and healthcare into creative sectors, that I feel now and felt now that it was time to bring those things together. The learning over the past 15 years of human factors and design factors and service design and system and the digital piece and and how you build digital applications and, and we've been involved in those from from the app to the web app to the underlying information security components of it to how you roll it out and test it to the contracting around how those things work and insurance so there's so many different factors and i think that's having had some experience in all of those factors to some degree in some probably quite influential ways over the years it has put me in a position to be able to help others this is my learning and one of the learnings and why I'm doing the podcast here at the present time. And I guess why I'm explaining on this podcast a bit more about my background is to this is sort of where we, because it's not just about, it's not a superficial layer about what, what the thing is. It's always the depth of all the iterations around and they are, they are complicated. But then the key is to then lead to a simple solution that comes out at the other side. It's led me to the position to do the podcast and we're on the bet this will be this one i think will be the 44th or the 45th podcast the rule of the podcast and now what we're going to do is we're going to build in some how-to guides in relation to the podcast and we're, we're going to explore the potential for a premium podcast i sort of put all the factors i know behind uh, another format where people can if they're interested gain access to that that's in the post we'll come more tell you more about that a little bit later on but I kind of wanted to just sum up today with some of the factors it's left me thinking. My top tips in relation to this are the following things that I've learned over the years. Ask yourself what it is that you do. A long time ago, I realized that I was a guy that asked what if and that was always looking for new potential ways to challenge the status quo and design solutions to do that. Why aren't we, do, why aren't we doing it this way? What is it you do? Do you read, do you analyze, do you question, do you organize? Do you connect people? Do you plan? Do you create? Do you cut things down? What is it the thing that you do? What is the thing that you're where you're happiest when you're with your tribe, when you're when you're most in flow with where you are? And that's probably what you should be working on if you could. Ask yourself what it is you do. Then use where you are to test. So often we work in projects in our jobs that we think are just specific. But if you know you are something else, there may be the capability for you to be able to test and and use your current job as a kind of prototype area to be able to see where you might want to work, how you might be able to tweak it, how you may move away from business as usual. As you can see of the stories, I did this in iterations time and time again in terms of pivoting and changing and pivoting and shifting and succeeding and failing, but always learning in my career. 
uh, and I've over the time been, I was just thinking back, I'd be like a travel guide writer, a podcast presenter, a documentary filmmaker. We've worked on packaging design, product design. We've been a presenter on stages up to a thousand people and down to 50 people. We've done all kinds of stuff, a whole different range of different outcomes. There's always a link back into health delivered better. But be the change you want to see, number three. I realise it's far better to do that, but you've got to do that by starting acting the way. We did the project with masks and we did the podcast left to the challenge and the, the PPEs are about 1.5 million pieces of PPE that was not being utilised. And when we didn't get much joy there, we went to the CBI and got messaging there. And we wanted to make an influence of mass. We got celebrities from Coronation Street and other people across the, from, from American TV series and this, that, and the other. And we, we asked people like Stephen Fry and we went to the, 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 the Sadi Khan and went to BT Sports and all these people and made some impact. In some way, moved the needle a bit about face masks and face coverings. But we did it by just doing it, accepting that we'd succeed and we'd fail, but not even really questioning whether we should do it or not. Use your expertise and your super skill and find this and apply it in some format. It will be doable. Believe and understand you can. When people say you can't, you can do whatever you want to do. When people say you can't, it's them telling themselves that they can't. This is their back, it's not your back. People can do amazing things, all of them. And I ask you and invite you to believe you can too. Ask for help by giving help. So being part of a giving community like the voyages community that i'm part of but david the ex-editor of y magazine has brought me together with a huge community of people who give you learn so many different things in relation to that from asking and giving so there's many tools to superpowers and so many people that can help you out there with parts of the jigsaw don't be afraid to ask your clock is ticking like it or not we all have well, well under 70 years left. Some people might have 70 days left, and that's what we've learned very tragically with coronavirus. We should use those days where possible for adding value to the things that add value to you, and they will all be different to all of you out there. One of the things is your ears, your clock is ticking. I've never been afraid to try and do new, more things, as hopefully this story has taught you today. I've made some good moves, I've made some mistakes every time. I've changed and learned. I've made some mistakes that have taught me more than most things. And I've made some wins that have taught me less than I thought they would do. Always going, like, are we going on a better road? Are you going to, are you learning? And, and do it, just do it. That's kind of it. Do, if you like uh, what you've heard today, please like, like it in the podcast format you're watching. If that's listening on, if that's iTunes or Stitcher or wherever, uh, DM me uh, if you would like to tell me more or find out more about uh, any things we've talked about today. And I look forward to seeing you on a guest-based podcast the next time. And take care and speak to you all very soon. Goodbye. Until next time on the podcast, I thank you for listening. As I always say, if you'd like to come on and talk about the side effects as a guest, we'd be delighted to talk to you. Email me at hello at wheel10.co.uk. Thank you again for listening. You've been listening to The 10 Podcast. Subscribe on your preferred podcast provider. 
Also, do let us know what you think of today's episode. 